You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, host of Locked On Warriors, here with David Ramil, host of Locked On Heat. We finally have some sports content, and the thing that everybody is talking about is the Last Dance documentary. We're going to talk about that. We're going to play One's Gotta Go later on, too. But first, David, this documentary serves both of us as far as some people being able to relive those Jordan moments. And for others, more like me, it provides some important context into just how good, how dominant he was. So I think you and I should talk about that a little bit because uh, you saw Michael Jordan at his peak, and I'm one of these millennials who just don't appreciate him for what he was. What stood out to you during the first two episodes? Well, first of all, thank you for the ages comment. I appreciate that. Um, as far I tried, as what, I really, tried to be more self-deprecating on me. So. No, that's okay. No, that's okay. I, I, I didn't take it badly. Um, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Nothing has really stood out immensely just because I feel like not only did I you know, see those moments for the most part, I didn't see like his 63-point explosion against the Celtics uh, in, you know, during the playoffs. I was more towards the, the 90s part where he was dominant as far as the two three-peats are concerned. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I've also done some of the reading that kind of contextualizes a lot of what his career was, like Playing for Keeps by David Halverson or The Jordan Rules by Sam Smith, all these different books on that particular era and knowing the kind of person and player that Jordan was, aside from being able to see his greatness on the court. I actually thought that the first two episodes were really solid, but not necessarily great either, like maybe a little bit slower than I would have expected. I'm not knocking them necessarily because I feel like even at this point, any sports content that's new, and this is certainly a little bit new in some regards, is, is very enjoyable. So I, I found myself captivated and watching along with millions of other people. But nothing has really stood out yet as far as Jordan's greatness. Like I feel like it's setting some real important gr- groundwork there. Not only does it, it as far as the, the whole format of the documentary where it kind of leaps back and forth in eras, and the fact that they kind of started it in the last season of his Chicago Bulls career, I, I find that to be kind of interesting. Kind of, it sets the tone a little bit, describing what he was like growing up in Wilmington, North Carolina, going to UNC and breaking out there. But then it kind of changes gears a little bit by going to that 97, what, 97 98 season mm-hmm. where, you know, Scottie Pippen is having all these issues with management and where. Phil Jackson's basically been told, "Listen, don't let the door hit you on you know where the good Lord split you," and, and that kind of thing. And that's it's just kind of odd to to see that play out that way. But I found it very interesting. I mean, as far as Jordan is concerned, like I feel like the documentary so far, at least, has shown him to be a little bit more human than I would have expected. Like, yeah, the the you know he was getting emotive at some points when they showed him. Um, that video of his mom reading a letter that he wrote to her while he was attending North Carolina, he seemed like he was generally taken back by that. That was interesting because those are the kind of moments that you don't really see much from Jordan, certainly not anymore, but even during the peak of his playing career, he wasn't quite like that. And and to see him on the sidelines at one point during that second season of his career where he was injured and he's kind of playing with kids and, and shooting as he's sitting down along the bench there, like... Those moments are kind of lost in history. We don't really see much of that Michael Jordan anymore. So that those are the things that stood out to me the most. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned sort of the human aspect of of, of Michael Jordan because you know Michael Jordan, owner of you know the Charlotte Hornets, um, larger than life figure, still wearing you know oversized '90s suits and and dad jeans. Michael Jordan is like this other thing. 
And for me, like, you know, you hear the stories about him just like berating teammates and practices and all these things. And to have this. And this, we saw that. We saw <laughs> we that. Saw we, that we had the footage of him just like laying into like Bill Wennington and Tony Kukoc and these guys in just like a way that's just like. We knew it was happening, but it's like one of those things when you actually hear the video and you see it happening, it's just like, wow, this guy's like made of something different. And I liked how they contextualized it again with they start that season four and four. They lose like by 20 points to the Cavaliers on the road. They almost lose to the Clippers. It takes like 50, 49 points from Michael Jordan in two overtimes to beat, you know, the worst team in the league. And they're coming off of a championship, right? And so they, right. they have this whole context and then they go right into this whole dynamic of uh, it just wasn't good enough for Michael. And he started laying into his teammates, and Scottie Pippen wasn't there because he had his surgery late in the summer. And, and so he just took it upon himself to lead this team and kind of galvanize this group. And what I, and just like thinking about what the odds against that team were at that point, like if, if, if I don't know what Vegas's odds were at that point for the Bulls winning the championship, but they must have been probably as low as they had been in maybe almost a decade. Right at that point when they were 4-4 four and four and stumbling out of the gate and Scottie Pippen was hurt and it looked like it was just Michael Jordan and a bunch of scrubs, right? And um, he... Well, it's, they, it's they kind made of similar yeah. to what we've seen from, from LeBron exactly. you know, over the last few years where it was kind of like you had the big three as far as Rodman was still there. Scottie, although he was hurt, was still part of the team and Jordan obviously was a central figure. But then you're kind of just adding role players, guys that are hungry for a championship at a later stage of their career, et cetera. So that, that system kind of had been in place, I think, as far back as the 90s with Jordan. Yeah, there's definitely some bricklaying, too, happening as far as how the documentary is going to be structured. You mentioned the going back and forth. Um, you read Breaks of the Game, right? The, the I have. Uh, another David Havelstrand. But it is following a very similar structure to that, right? It starts with the drama and everything that's sort of happening with the season. And then like you start talking about Michael Jordan, and then we go back to North Carolina. We go back to you know his childhood, his upbringing, his parents, and then to college and all these things. We start talking about Sky Pippen. We go back in his childhood and his upbringing and all that stuff. So I think the structure of it's really good, and I do think we can expect that to be the case going on. Like We knocked out the two big names, right? We knocked out Jordan. We knocked out Pippen early on. But we'll probably have a Phil Jackson. We're going to have a Dennis Rodman. We're going to have all this stuff. And, oh, for sure. And that's going to be really interesting um, I, what, I want... what has stood out to you then? Because, I mean, aside from the things that you mentioned before, has there been any new information there that you weren't exactly oh, fully yeah. aware of? Or, yeah. No, like what, the, like, the fact like that what? Scottie Pippen was so underpaid. Like, I didn't know any of that. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't, like, the whole, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, that that is so reminiscent, too, of, like, recent dynasties, right? Where, like, Steph Curry, during all the Warriors winning years, was very underpaid. And now he's going he's gonna to be the highest paid player in the league next year. But for so much of that, like, we always think, oh, the cap spike of 2016 helped the Warriors sign Kevin Durant. Well, yeah, but it was also the fact that Steph Curry signed that extension before he, you know, it was after all the ankle injuries and stuff. So he signed this this sort of security extension in much the way that Scottie Pippen signed a seven-year deal because he wanted the security. And then he, he like, blows up, wins an MVP. He should have been a max player. He wasn't a max player, right? Yeah. Um no, and so it kind of no, like but without Pippen taking there was that no salary of... cap either at that point in time. I mean, Jordan, Interest- yeah, his, his contract situations were always a little different, and they and, uh, ironically, or maybe with, you know, maybe that was on purpose, but they never really mentioned that. Like, I, if I recall correctly, and I want to say that that's the case, his last year in Chicago, he signed a one-year deal for thirty-five million dollars, like yeah. just a one-year deal, yeah. which was 
by far the most that any player had ever been paid for one single season. Yeah, and I know. Like you had you had bigger contracts with like Larry Johnson and others, but for that one year deal, that was the biggest in NBA history at that at that point in time. Yeah, and I know there's no salary cap, but it still is ownership money, right? And so there is. Oh like, yeah. Every every team has their own sort of internal salary cap. I would imagine at that point, and so the fact that they were able to get away with paying Scottie Pippen nothing basically. Um, it also explains why Sky Pippen is, keeps doing work on ESPN right now. But um, <laughs> I, I do, like, as far as whatever, like, all the other stuff that, that stood out to me, I mean, the thing the thing about, like, in his second year breaking his foot and then having this 10% chance of it ending his career, according to that doctor mm. that they were talking about, I yeah. like, that to me was news. Like, I don't know if that was out there, but, like, this idea that, like, Michael Jordan could have had the same career as basically Sam Bowie. You know, had he just like his career ended with lower body injuries, was yeah, was really surprising to me. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, that was that's kind of largely swept under the rug there. I don't think people really talk about it all that much because even at that point in time, I, I think more often than not, I mean, it still matters even today. But you, you think about injuries, especially in the '80s and even well before that, and athletes got hurt all the time, and you didn't really care, and, and so they would just get hurt. You didn't know. I don't think Jordan was quite a star. Like, he had a really good rookie year. He had a pretty solid career at University of North Carolina. Like, the, the way they kind of made his Tar Hill career seem like he was incredible and, and so dominant. I mean, he was the third pick for a reason. I think there were questions about whether or not he could sustain his scoring ability at the professional level. And, and you know, he wasn't quite the shooter that he evolved into later in his career and things of that sort. But, you know the injury issue there. That's that was an interesting little factoid because I I don't think I ever saw it reported that that ten percent likelihood of, of ending you know or, or, or uh, you know potentially you know limiting his career. Right. But that 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 wasn't. I mean, he could have had a, a really bad moment there where his career could have gone down in a completely opposite route there, and that was. Uh, that was interesting. That, it's an interesting parallel, and I'm glad you brought that up with Bowie, who and I think there was is, a little. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I think there was also a little bit of myth busting there too, right? Because he was under a minutes restriction, and we hear like all this yeah. stuff about minutes restrictions. Oh, Michael Jordan never played on a minutes. Well, he did. I'm like, I understand the context of it, and he was coming off of it, and like he was being limited by his management and all this stuff, but he did. And that's the fact. He had a minutes. Well, restriction, also that it was minutes. a limited uh, limits restriction and a season where they were probably tanking too which is also tanking. something that never yes. took place in the 80s yeah <laughs> right they and they 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 got into the playoffs being like almost 20 games under 500 or something like that and we just think oh he's such an incredible winner and all these things and like look again i'm not saying that he wasn't but it, it is sort of funny that in all the myth making since then um you know there was moments granted very early in his career but he wasn't immune to any of this stuff like he was also a part of these things i want to talk a little bit about what we want to see more of in these next few episodes. But first, from an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant that I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I could think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late-night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download the Postmates app on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything that you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code 
Locked on NBA. That's the code Locked on NBA for a hundred bucks of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmate app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. David, you mentioned something earlier about this uh, human aspect of Michael Jordan. For me, that's what I want to see more of because the reports going into this, into the premiere Sunday night, was that he was a little worried, right? He was a little worried that he would come off as a jerk. But he granted, again, like he agreed to do this and just be transparent. That, again, so he's going to come off as a jerk because he was kind of a jerk. And that's right. okay. But I haven't really seen much of those jerk moments. We talked about the footage behind the scenes. He did, he, he did, he was pretty honest about, hey, I think Scottie Pippen handled it wrong that last year. Jerry Krause was handling it wrong. But we haven't seen him be a jerk. We haven't seen Hall of Fame speech Jordan. We haven't seen... We haven't seen just that version that I think he was worried about because everything we've seen up to this point, I don't see why he would have been worried about it. Well, there's more, obviously. There, there's you know his interactions with Charles Barkley as far as what they've been reported where he's been very insulting about Barkley even as they were pretending to be friends or pretending to be Barkley's friend. Uh, the things he said to Muggsy Bogues in the game that effectively ruined his jump shot, if you believe Muggsy. I mean, he is he's known for being one of the elite trash talkers in NBA history. And he was probably, unlike most trash talkers, a guy who backed it up on both ends. And so I think we're going to start to see those moments where what we've seen over the first two episodes was just the very, very smallest of tips of the iceberg, where we're going to see a lot more about that cunning and, and just absolute cutting ability from Jordan. Like he was... You know, people have asked me before because I, I have watched a lot of basketball and did see part of his peak anyway. What the word is that uh, I, I, you know, associate Jordan with the most, and it's ruthless. I don't think it was that he was necessarily just most dominant, because that dominance was dependent on other players. Like it depended on Scotty, dependent on John Paxson and Steve Kerr and all the other guys that hit big shots over the course of Jordan's career. But Jordan himself, as an individual, was absolutely ruthless if that's what separates him and all the greatest of all time talk between him and lebron and everybody else it's that fact that i think jordan is probably much more ruthless than lebron ever will be as far as his individual playing style we've only seen very very small glimpses of it the fact that when we talk about lebron in this kind of context we bring up that game against the the boston celtics in mm -hmm. 2011 you know the or eyes. other moments like that i mean those they're, they're very very limited jordan was like this 24 7 i think a great quote from roy williams too about like like he, he there were you know a lot of players can turn it on and off but jordan never turned it off and i think that's the kind of thing that that we always associate with jordan the most and i think we got a uh, an early hint with that quote and then with that story in that in that playoff series against larry bird celtics where he goes golfing with danny ainge before game two one game after right. scoring whatever what 49 points or whatever it was in that in game one and he goes out and he goes golfing with Danny Ainge. I think Danny Ainge beats him. And he says, I got something for you tomorrow. And then goes out and lays out like 64 points in a double in, in an overtime game. You know, hitting yeah. that final free throw to send it to, to overtime. And then, you know, the Bulls lost and they end up losing the series. But that was sort of the first thread of that, right? Where it's just, again, ruthless. Like, oh, you beat me in golf? In a golf game that literally doesn't matter and nobody even really knows took place. Like I am going to kill you and your team next, like like tomorrow night, and and that, he went out and did some his elite best. level, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that is pretty. That is pretty interesting. Like to say the next day, 
and you know to you know to say oh tell your boy dj dennis johnson who's guarding him for most of that series right. i got something for him that that is that's calling your shot big time and then backing it up with you know one of the greatest performances it was, in, in playoff it was a second it was the second year like to back yeah. it up in your second season against larry bird's team against what larry bird said right. in that documentary was the best celtics team that he played on to do it against right. that team is absolutely insane. And so for me, that's the kind of stuff that I'm really looking forward to for the rest of this documentary is I want to see the biggest, whatever the stuff that Jordan was worried about, I want to, that's the stuff I'm looking forward to. That's the stuff that puts everything into context, everything that I've read about and heard about. I want to hear him talk about it. I want to hear him say it. I'm sure he's going to like pump himself up a little bit, but I, I, I hope that he is as transparent as he seemed to be in, in the first two episodes. Because um, there were moments where they you kind of let him in, and I think those moments were mostly when that scotch glass next to him was a little bit more half full than full. <laughs> but uh, let's I want that like I want moments where that scotch glass is just ice or whatever, and and we and we just see and I yeah, we see him let loose at some point on Charles Barkley or or whoever. But I, I think of like stories, um, you know, Kobe Bryant was supposed to be my Michael Jordan, right? Where the guy who I grew up with who was like that ruthless guy and obviously emulated so much of Michael Jordan. And you hear stories about him being like, well, I can't remember what the game exactly was. I'm sure our listeners will correct me here. But um, it came out recently after Kobe died, this story that I, maybe it was Jalen Rose in, in the 81-point game or something where he goes up to Jalen after three quarters. He's like, "You had, that was a, you, a good game. And like somebody, I oh, know it wasn't Jalen Rose. Who was it? I can't remember who it was. It's a like, good game. And the player looked up and you're like, what do you mean good game? It's, uh, oh, I think it was Monte Ellis. What do you mean good game? Uh, we we got a whole other quarter to play, and that and he didn't score for the rest of the game. Like Michael Jordan just cut, <laughs> like shut him down. He was like, "Good game," and then and then the Bulls won. So it's just like stuff like that, or, or not Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant shut him down. So Kobe Bryant's a good yeah. game, and then whatever. And so like that's the kind of stuff that reminds me of like what Michael Jordan would have done. I'm sure we're just gonna get more and more of those kinds of stories. Yeah, yeah, that that is certainly a big part of of what we can expect because there were. Absolutely moments like that. And those really stand out. But I'm also hoping maybe this is a little odd, especially, you know, right after the first two episodes have come out, that you kind of hinted at this before, that there was some myth busting there. And I want to see more of that because I, I feel like the second episode in particular really highlighted how great Scottie Pippen was. And, I, and I've got to be honest with you, I think I always preferred Scottie Pippen's style to Jordans like watching both of them play I always liked Scotty more as a player just because he was a little bit more of a consistent defender a much better ball handler a better passer you know just a different style like he was the original to me anyway point forward as far as a guy who could bring the ball huh. up and create so much offense for others and then Jordan was more playing off ball and then yeah iso 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 and of course he was as ruthless and dominant as any player in nba history in that post in that regard but you know i i like scotty's style better I, I remember actually interviewing nick batum and he told me you know he grew up watching the, the chicago bulls too and i asked him you know what, what it was like to watch those bulls from france and he said well you know i, I always like scotty pippen more so i feel like his game his kind of the fact that he does everything so well kind of really resonated a lot with European players in particular who, you know, we've always talked about their fundamentals and things of that sort. As much as Jordan was this larger-than-life, almost mythic figure, I think Scotty's overall game was a little bit better, maybe even a little bit more appreciated by some people. But one Wait, of the things did you think, hoping... did you think that Pippen, I mean, what was at his best? Was he the second-best player in the NBA behind Michael Jordan? 
you know, the way the, the marketing of the league changed, like with Jordan's ascension, I, I remember like big games on Sundays and Christmas and all that where it, you could tell, you could almost see the transition from Michael Jordan and the Bulls to take on Patrick Ewing and the New York Knicks. Like that one-on-one matchup became that that was the focus there before that it was the Knicks versus the Celtics or the Sixers versus mm. the Bulls etc but to to go from this one singular player like this is the one everybody is tuning in to watch and so being that Jordan was so big so much like I said larger than life I always knew that Scotty was secondary to him as far as overall talent and everything else but he was always to me also one of the best players in the league like you could tell when games changed and shifted, when the Bulls were at their most dominant, it's because both of them were at their best. And, and you know, yeah, you knew that Michael was going to take the shot at the end, but you don't get to that point without Scotty and his overall level of play. So I, I'm glad that, that he's getting more of the focus. And that's kind of what I'm looking for throughout the rest of the documentary, too, is to, you know, you pointed out the 63-point game, but what if that happened in today's game? Like, I can't imagine a single player, like, let's say Trey Young. Like, a lot of people point to his statistics and say he's an all-star, et cetera. He's a great shooter. But a lot of them also seem like empty calories. I know I've said this before. What if he were to do this in a playoff game and then continue to lose for the first five years of his playoff career? Like, if he hmm. spends the next four, five seasons never making the playoffs or getting the first round and getting bumped out by much better teams, do we still look at Trey Young as a great player? Or does he need somebody like a Scottie Pippen to kind of take him to that next level? And I think that's the way that Jordan's career could likely have gone. Like, as great as his individual scoring prowess was, he could very much have been a one-dimensional type player that nobody remembers in these kind of terms. That's really interesting, right? Because we talk about like the social media and the media atmosphere around these things, and, and they would have roasted Jordan. They would have roasted yeah. him. Like, but, but he, he was so a ball interesting hog, was that Larry Bird and Magic Johnson early on said that he was like we we played him in, as a rookie and in his second year, and we just knew. And then like, and then Bobby Knight, like in the in the amateur thing, whatever that was, like the the camp, the all the all American camp or whatever it was, going to college was like this is the best player in America or whatever. Like this is going to be. Or this is one of the best players. Or this is the best basketball player I've ever seen. You know, going oh, it was the that Olympics, was the Olympics, Olympics, right? The '84 yeah. Olympic team, I think, is what. Yeah, coming out of that '84 Olympic team, it was like this is the best basketball player I've ever seen, and, and so people were on it early. It almost like you say Trey Young. I almost think like Luka Doncic, right? Have and sure. Luka may may have his Scottie Pippen and Kristaps Porzingis, depending on health stuff. But um, you know, he's going to have to get through LeBron and Kawhi and all these people who are currently in the Western Conference. And so Luca could be a first down and out guy for a very long time, but I think we already see the ascension early in that, okay, this guy's going to be a top five player in the NBA. I don't think you can argue that he's not. Like, there's just no way that that doesn't happen, barring injury, right? It was like, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if that was the same case with Michael Jordan. Where everybody, it just seemed like everybody was like, no, this guy's going to be legitimately great. Uh, and then once I feel like that's a little revisionist though. Like okay. I, I mean, I was maybe I wasn't following it as closely. I mean, Bobby in Knight said it. He was on film saying it. And and so was Magic. They had they had Bobby Knight and Magic Johnson on film back then. Magic Johnson, that's the most talented player in the in the NBA. And he said it when he was like young Magic Johnson. Bob Knight said it during the Olympics. So I'm not like yeah, those two maybe, said it. I don't maybe, know who else said it. Maybe maybe yeah. I don't I don't think I certainly don't think Larry Bird at the peak of his game when they were in, in you know the, the the heart of the Celtics dynasty of the eighties was ever gonna give any kind of credit to Michael Jordan. He was like he probably would have said at best that kid can play and that's about it. Like All I can't said, imagine I think they, they interviewed him in front of his locker and he said, I've never seen anybody like him. 
But I don't think he. Yeah. That's not necessarily saying he's going to be as good as I ever was. Oh yeah, he's basically just no, saying he jumps not. really high. And by the yeah, way, the- that was one of the things that stood out to me during that documentary is just that that second jump that he has is insane. Yeah. I just like like you see it in highlights, but all the highlights I I watch are like set to music and they're just like quickly spliced together and stuff. But to like see like actual game footage was like I rewatched that sixty three point game like a few years ago. Just had a curiosity. It was just one of those yeah. go down uh, the rabbit hole on YouTube and, and watch old game footage. And what really stood out to me for as good as that eighty six Celtics team was, they were really slow, like slow as hell, and uh, like nobody could stop Jordan. Like he, his athletic ability was so much greater than everybody else that it was just they were kind of watching in slow motion. They were stuck in molasses while he was just out leaping everybody. That first step past guys like Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale and others. They had no chance of stopping that. And so that's why his game was able to transcend everybody else's. And maybe that's what Bird was kind of getting at is like, this is a unique player in that he combines that athleticism in a very ruthless way. And I think that probably separated him a little bit from another guy who was an uber athlete, like a a Clyde Drexler or a Dominique Wilkins, guys that Mm -hmm. would kind of ascend later on. Like Drexler was already in the league when Jordan was drafted, but he just didn't have that same kind of ruthlessness and i keep coming back to that word but i mean i don't think there's any other that associates with jordan quite well, as well. and he never and they like never developed like the skill set either that that jordan had i mean jordan went from just like ridiculous athlete to you know as he progressed like you know the footwork got better and better and all these th- and i'm sure he just like got more um technical and the basketball iq goes up and all these things and it's like even like more recently with a guy like russell westbrook we haven't really seen that evolution to his game and that's like to me the biggest similarity between lebron and michael jordan was like Okay, if Michael Jordan was just faster and jumping higher than everybody when in in you know the mid to late eighties, and then eventually just became this ruthless, to use your word, um, player who just like figured out every way on a basketball court to beat you, that is really what LeBron was, right? Because LeBron was bigger, faster, right. just stronger than everybody, and then he just developed a game in that he's just now he's he's the queen on the chessboard, and he's I, just I will say that the kind of to compliment exactly what you're saying, I will say that I think he's the first player that anybody ever associated the concept of getting better every year. You, you hear players say this all the time, like, you know, you kind of add something new to the bag every offseason, things of that sort. I don't think that was ever really part of the discussion until Jordan came around because I don't think anybody ever had transformed their mm. game as much where it was just depending so much on athleticism and then kind of expanding on that, becoming a better three-point shooter, having that vicious turnaround jumper, little things like that that he kind of incorporated and mixed into his overall repertoire that we started to see over the course of his career. Nobody else had ever quite done it like him. Like Magic had his size advantage. Kareem had that sky hook when he was drafted in the 70s and had it until he was you know retired in, in the 90s but at the same time like nobody ever really evolved quite the way Jordan did um, we'll get out of this segment on this but I'll just say my natural inclination is to be cynical and hate most things uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, I entered the documentary being like okay we'll see if I'm impressed All right, like, I, like there's so much hype around it that I automatically wanted to just hate it um, yes and I liked it. I'm like you. I thought it was a little slow. It was a lot of bricklaying. Uh, but we're having this conversation. I'm hyped. I can't wait for the next four weeks. I am so excited for this. Um, we'll play One's Gotta Go next. This is Locked on NBA. 
Remember to listen to and subscribe to Locked On NBA on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on the Apple app, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Uh, one of the Internet's games that's become a popular pastime during this quarantine is One's Gotta Go. So we're going to play our own version here. Let's start with you, David. Bring me your first One's Gotta Go. Well, you know, last week you kind of geared a little, you geared, well, you geared all of them towards me and my own personal taste. So I thought I'd kind of skew it a little bit in that favor as well. Uh, I want to kind of focus on, on the things that I've known over from over the years of talking with you and recording shows and things of that sort, you know, your interests. And so my first one's got to go is in the realm of wine and spirits. You got One's got to go beer, wine, or brown liquors. Oh, beer. Uh, beer makes really? me, yeah, because beer makes me bloated. So if it's a one one's got to go situation, that means I'm drinking just mostly these other things. So yes. um, with with brown liquor or wine, I can drink. Not to brag, but I could drink a bottle of wine, no problem, and I could I could drink like whiskey all day long and not feel bloated. But if I drink, you have been ma- drinking whiskey all day long. That's right. Our, our... That's, <laughs> that's right. I have been doing it. So uh, the, I have tested this theory and it, and I've proven it correct. But I, if I gotta get rid of one, I get rid of beer, and it's not even a question. Just because um, I can, I'm, at, I'm, I'm getting like weenie status when it comes to beer lately. Like I drink three, and I'm just like I feel full, and I don't want to do anything anymore. Huh? Okay, maybe that's evolved a little bit. I didn't. It has. I wasn't it up has. to the latest. Okay. Okay. No, no. Good to know. No, I thought that was gonna be I, a little bit tighter, to be honest with you. I was drinking beer yesterday, uh, but like if you, so I enjoy it. But like if I had to get rid of one, the logic, it, like the logic is such that it would have to be beer. Like I couldn't get rid of the other things. Um, okay. All right, I got one for you. Uh, which one do I want to go for? Okay, let's go with uh, one's got to go. NBA rules edition. Hack a shack. Twenty second timeouts or flopping. You get to get rid of one. So you get to make the game better, but you only get one of these to make the game better. Well, I just don't know how flopping is going to be eliminated. I'd love for that to just be like, theoretically. It just it just you eliminate it. Okay. Then flopping's gotta go. Like the hack a shack I feel is, is something that's been taken out almost all the time. The timeouts you know, I, honestly, I don't mind them as much. I can imagine, even from you as a beat reporter, you probably take advantage of those timeouts to lay out most of your article anyway. So you yeah, take I advantage of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep the timeouts. I need those timeouts. It, it gets gives you a chance to fire off a tweet or write something, whatever. You need that kind of time in between games. I can, I know that at home it can get a little tiresome, um, but nothing beats or nothing is worse to me than flopping. You're right. All right, I think you're up. Okay, so. Another one kind of skewed to you. Wingstop, Green Day, <laughs> or Memories of Dwayne Wade. Oh, God. <laughs> Where you just forget Dwayne Wade even existed. Like, he, he just doesn't even exist to you. Like, you don't know anything about his career. Everybody's like, oh, second best shooting guard of all time. You're like, who? Yeah, I mean, I'm keeping Dwayne Wade. So it's really now between Green Day, which is my favorite band, which I see what you're doing. Last week I did Fish, which is your favorite band. Um, Absolutely. I'd have to get rid of Wingstop, but I'm not happy about it. I'm really, I'm sorry, Rick Ross. I'm very sorry, Rick Ross. I'm not happy about this decision, but I can't. I, re- I remember one time a couple of years ago, I think you told me you had Wingstop like nine days in a row or no, something no, no, like that. No, no, you no, had no. Got- 11. 
I'm sorry. I thought I thought I was being generous with the nine, but it was actually not eleven. <laughs> you had like a little routine going, coming home from work, stopping off at Wingstop. They were like, "Hey, lemon pepper guy," and they would you <laughs> pick up your order and you would come home, right? It was six original hot, four lemon pepper because you could at Wingstop. This is one of the reasons I like Wingstop. It's not split. You literally get to pick how many of each you want. Like you could do like nine original and one lemon pepper just for fun. And and, and as an addition. You can always post use Postmates to get Wingstop, and Wingstop, we're always looking for more sponsors. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Wingstop, it's got to go. I just I can't get rid of the um, the just the memories of Dwayne Wade and, and Green Day. It's just there's too much there's too much there. All right. Um, <laughs> would you rather no? So who would you rather be? Okay, so it's kind of we're, we're remixing the one's got to go situation. You get to pick one to be. Okay. Okay. You're either Tony Kukoc in that video of being yelled at by Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay. Jerry Krause being bullied by Michael Jordan. Or that Miller light box that got kicked out of the locker room by Michael Jordan. Ooh. Who would I rather be? Well, Krause is out. Like, I, I mean, I, I feel like it was so... Like, you're, we were talking before in the first segment about how much we wanted to see the ruthless version of Jordan. Like, the fact that we know that Krauss had little man syndrome and every opportunity he got to be like, hey, you want us to lower the rim for you, little feller? Like, I mean, that was just like, that is <laughs> that is making him feel so bad. Like, I'm surprised he didn't, like, sun him and pat him on the head as he walked by every time. This is his general manager, he the called, guy who pays his bills. He called him crumbs. Yeah. Like, that was an unbelievable <laughs> detail. Yeah, I remember reading that one too in Halverson's book. That was just, oh man. Yeah, so I would not want to be Jerry Krause for anything because that is just like to shut up and have to take it because, well, hey, you don't want to piss off Michael Jordan because that could mean everything. Um, yeah, don't want to be Jerry Krause. I don't want to get kicked by anybody. So I'll say Tony Kukoc because you know what? He was the European Michael Jordan and we forget about that, but he had a great career before he came to the Bulls. And of course, we all know that in the 92 Olympics, you know, Scotty and Scotty in particular, and we're going to get this context later on in the documentary, but here's a little spoiler for fans that don't know this. Scotty, because of the whole contract situ- situation with Kraus and knowing that Kraus highly coveted bringing Tony Kukoc to the Bulls, Michael Jordan and Scotty made Kukoc's life a living hell during those 92 Olympics with the Dream Team. That was mm. that was uh, one of those storylines that we'll probably see play out at some point later on. But before the 92 Olympics, Kukoc had a hell of a great career in Europe where he was known as the European Michael Jordan. He had a pretty solid NBA career, not only with his stint with the Bulls, but afterwards with the Bucks and, uh, the Bucks and a couple other teams. So I'll, I'll be Kukoc in a heartbeat. There you go. All right. I like it. All right. All right. L- last one for you then. Which NBA dynasty's got to go? The Showtime Lakers, the 90s Bulls, or the or whatever, the late teens Warriors? I like how you no, didn't throw gonna, the big I was going to say the there. 80s. I was going to say the – yeah, I was going to say – well, one, I don't think a lot of people consider them a dynasty. I but do. Other, other than that, the 80s Celtics, just as a dig to John Corrales, but no, I, I figured we'd just keep it with the Lakers. <laughs> we'll leave John out of this this podcast. We haven't been doing enough. Um, one's got to go in just my preference or just like verse – or uh, who I actually think is best. Am I like ranking those? And I'm dropping well, the third that's, one. That's your call there. Okay. I mean, this is a tweet that you see on internet on the internet all the time. You know, one's got to go. Which one is it? And then, of course, you're going to have to deal with all the haters later on. 
Yeah, I can't say that the Warriors got to go because I host the Warriors podcast. So politically, I'm just going to go with the Lakers here because Warriors fans Ooh. hate the Lakers. Um, and so, and I, I like my money, my money that I get from my Warriors podcast. So I'm going to protect sense. my it pocket here uh, by by Showtime Lakers. Sorry about it. Um, also, I wasn't even well, alive you... for those, so whatever. Well, well, you know, the thing is, like, as great as the Bulls were. Like, you could argue that the Lakers were probably much more influential as far as style of play. Like, I mean, the fact that they were as good as they were, like Pat Riley, um, you know, Magic Johnson, and the fact that he was the big point guard at the time. I, I mean, honestly, as much as we're kind of reveling in Bulls nostalgia, the Bulls were probably so much more focused on Michael and his greatness that as far as influencing basketball style in general, the Lakers and the Warriors certainly trump them. No, that's fair. I can't disagree with anything you're saying. Um, all right, my last one for you. One Spider-Man has to go. Ooh. Peter Parker or Miles Morales? Oh, well, that's, that's no contest for me, man. Like, I I, I, I know uh, Into the Spider-Verse is, is a, a great movie, and I know that a lot of younger fans probably appreciate Morales and everything else, but I'm a Parker guy. Grew up on Peter Parker. That's the way it's going to stay. <laughs> sorry miles thank you so much for being part of the ultimate spider universe but see you later is that are you are you more biased in the peter parker debate because that i had to research this because i don't know anything about comics i i went i went into the internets for this one um is this even a close debate is this considered like a no. is this a jordan no lebron thing oh wow i i don't even know if it's quite like that like i mean this is if like Jordan came during the Bill Russell era because I mean that's how long Peter Parker's been around. You know he was the Spider Man, and then the whole thing. And I, I'm going down a very geek rabbit hole here, but you know in the I want to say in the aughts, the Marvel company kind of decided let's create a whole other brand of comics. Let's call it the Ultimate Universe, where we take you know characters from the main universe, you know, the Hulk. Avengers, Spider-Man, etc. But let's tweak them a little bit, make them a little bit different. So they got a whole bunch of writers and cool artists and things of that sort to create this ultimate version of these superheroes. And so they wanted to bring some of the characters into a new modern era. And so while Peter Parker was a geeky white kid in the 1960s, and that was what appealed to a lot of the geeky white kids who were reading comics in the 1960s, they wanted to make the characters a little bit more diverse. So they had mm -hmm. this Afro, you know, Latino kid kind of taking place as far as being the, the one who gets bit by the radioactive spider. And, you know, they made it much more racially diverse, which makes a whole hell of a lot of sense in today's world. And, and so that's why Miles was the character that he was. But uh, he's very interesting. He kind of follows the same story as far as discovering his powers and, and having something to fight for and everything else like that. But but I, I just grew up on Peter Parker, saw him in the comics, the cartoons and the movies, and I, I can't help that. That's just that's who I am. I'm just an old curmudgeonly old comic book geek. Yeah, but you like LeBron over Michael Jordan. You still think LeBron's yeah, a better player. that's true also. So I think you're, yeah. Yeah, you're willing to, to bend a little, little bit. All right, that'll do it for us on today's Locked On NBA. For David Rommel, I'm Wes Wilberg. Thanks for listening, and please stay safe out there.